is Rock and Roll Grad School with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. Would you like us to assign someone to worry your mother? Hello, kitties. We are going to have a good time together. And here's why. I don't know how, but I got Springsteen tickets this morning. Wow. They they went on sale. I think the fact that they weren't done through Ticketmaster might have something to do with this. This could be. Uh, I went to the to Ticketmaster because we will take their money. Oh, please. If they want to advertise here, we would love to have them. But uh, this is not their finest hour. Well, they've had some pretty brutal ones since the 90s. So Yes. And I, I mean, everyone's complaining online about how difficult it's been and the price. And I get that. But I feel like none of these people had to call the 800 number 5,000 times between 10 o'clock and 10.15 on a Saturday morning. It's the best, though. But I got four the seats. Completely. Oh, my God. It was great. And then the, sometimes you do it and there wouldn't be any sound. And you're like, did I not hang up before? Did they pick up? Right. What do I do? Hello? Is that me you're looking for? Oh, my God. The, the amount of just sweat and tension. I know. Um, but four seats um, all together, not yeah. the most expensive, not the cheapest, but like Another. this is all exactly what it should be. Respectable seating. Exactly. Um, yeah, it was pleasantly easy. Well, I'm but glad that. I, I think the fact that we were going, well, it was through the MLB app since they're playing at the local baseball park, but mm-hmm. they still had the whole waiting room thing that, Ticketmaster and other places do. So I don't know how, I'm assuming the interface is the same. It's just the like window looks different. Right. So, um, but that's the good news. That is very good news. And then an even better news. It's bad news for us because we aren't in the UK. But uh, this week we're talking with Kevin Armstrong. Yes. Who is part of this group that kicked off their Lust for Life tour last night. Yes. And it features Glenn Matlock, Clem Burke, Katie Puckirk, who I, I'm not familiar with her work. She apparently was a dancer for the Pet Shop Boys and is now a broadcaster. Yes. Yes. Um, they are all playing uh, Iggy Pop's Lust for Life and then a uh, second set of, of Greatest Hits. Can we and spoil it and say that we are we have two friends in the band? I yes, I was thinking we can allude that one of the other members of the group will be joining us uh, a little later in a few mm-hmm. months. Yes, that would be very exciting. And so, brace yourself for that because uh, we are going to be best friends with him. Yes, if we and aren't already, we definitely are. And also, Kevin, I feel like we'd be best friends with this whole band. I think so, and hopefully, we can talk to Kevin again when his yeah. memoir comes out, which yes. we will also be getting into in this interview well yes and i'm very fangirling with him for his work with bowie yes and it it works out quite nicely that your favorite song of his and bowie's is Mm -hmm. also the inspiration for his memoir yes so that will be lovely it is it is lovely um yeah i don't know what else does is there some sort of british idiom we should throw out here no that's tacky okay
assuming you're looking forward to this tour. Yes, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, have you been practicing as as a group? Have you guys gotten together yet? Uh, in 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 twos and threes, yes, we have. Uh, so that's what usually happens. Pete, when when a band has got a limited rehearsal time before the tour, uh, then usually, uh, yeah, we get everybody does a lot of homework, and then we get together in twos and threes. So we're we're doing that at the moment. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, and you're you're everyone's happy with how it's all sounding and all of that. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, I mean, for for me, I'm very familiar with all this material because I've been playing yeah. with, with Iggy for five years from 14 to 19 again. So uh, it's all very much part of my, still still under my fingers, a lot of it, you know. <laughs> How different does it feel to bring in these other fellow legends with you that haven't been playing with you and Iggy for the past five well, years? Well, I don't know. That's the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the great thing. That's the unknown thing about it. It's very exciting. I mean, I've always wanted to play with Clem Burke and, uh, yeah. and Glenn's great as well. I mean, he stepped up to, to um, uh, save the whole project because Tony uh, couldn't, couldn't make it. The original concept was to have Tony, but he couldn't make it. So uh, it's great. Uh, I've, known Glenn, I've known both of these guys for a long time, but never, we've never played together. So I'm looking forward to that very much. Well, in, in, in going back and just looking a bit at your catalog, I have to, there's so much amazing stuff you've done, but I have to admit, absolute beginners, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, it's a big, significant. Uh, I mean, yeah. unreal. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was the day I met, the day I first met David Bowie was was the, the was when we were making demos and and that was just an afterthought on the session really he was just at the end of a session and uh, some time left and he hadn't finished the song and he wanted to use the studio time available and just said well i've got this idea you know it's not really finished and uh, and I, I helped him knock it together really quickly from what he had and uh, and it sounded great straight away we just knew something was something happened that day <laughs> it's just amazing and it's yeah. always funny cuz i always i mean i'm a huge fan of of Bowie of all of it, but Iggy, everybody, but that there's something, it just, that one is wrapped around my soul. I don't know yeah. why. Well, it's just a big song, isn't it? It's a great big melody of a great lyric. And it was just one of those songs in his career. There are a few outstanding songs that really resonate with people. And, uh, and that's, that I think is one of them in the late period. I was very lucky to be there to, to help catch, you know, bottle of lightning at that point. <laughs> and you you kind of pop in and out of David's career in all of these interesting places. I mean, to start with Live Aid. Yeah. Was that so. the first show you played with him or one of the first? It was the first show. <laughs> so <laughs> no just, pressure. Yeah, just, just <laughs> start small. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, it was just a, obviously, you know, the, still the biggest concert in history, I think. Yeah. Um, it's not that I wasn't used to playing gigs I, I really was but obviously that was something really special um and it led on to a, a 10 it just opened loads of doors for me obviously that 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 uh amazing show um yeah i mean that was my first experience of a, a, a you know playing in a stadium really yeah and what a way to do it <laughs> right just jump in the yeah. deep end and yeah. Then some. yeah so everything must seem a bit not small but it just sort of, I don't know, does anything ever quite compare to the massiveness that was Live Aid? Well, well yeah, since then, I've, I've played a lot of big, 
big yeah. places like that. You know, with Iggy, I mean, we, you know, a couple of years ago, I was playing, we played the Foro Sol Stadium in mm. Mexico with Iggy. Yes. Uh, with Metallica, we opened for three nights in front of 60,000 a night. You know, so I played big crowds and big right. festivals with, you know, tens of thousands mm -hmm. in the crowd. I've done it a lot since. And it's, um, it's actually okay. I mean, it's more, in a way, it's, it's, it's more terrifying to play smaller places because you're eyeball to eyeball with people. And, um, uh, uh, you know, there's nowhere to hide. With a, with a right. stadium thing, you're this tiny figure. You, maybe that you're on the screen too, but you're this, you know, there's this distance, isn't there? And great big barriers and a huge high stage. And you don't really get to interact with the crowd much. Uh, but in these, in you know, in these smaller art centres and theatres we're going to be doing, that's totally different. I love it, actually. That's I love that. Sorry, yeah. drop my yeah. pen here. I'm editing my book. I've spent the day, uh, uh, I'm doing the final touches to a manuscript of, of a book I've got coming out at the end of the year. Oh, a memoir? Oh or It's a memoir, yeah, that's <gasps> right. I mean, what else have I got to do? I mean, I could be a novelist, I guess, but because of the interesting people I've worked with and the, the long history I've had in music, I, I started to write stuff down in 2016 after David died. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I was back with Iggy. It just seemed like the right time to start talking about it, you know. So I, oh, I started yeah. writing. And, and I've uh, it, so I've got a publishing deal for it with Jawbone Press, and it's coming out uh, at the end of this year. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. What's it been like going back through all of these stories and having to relive all this stuff? Because obviously I'm assuming well, these are incredibly fun memories for the most part. They're fun memories. Some of them are fuzzy memories. You know? <laughs> As yeah. well, they should be. No one's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, luckily we have the internet now. So it's a big resource. So, so you can dig up an awful lot of information of things you weren't sure about. What year did this happen? When, when did that come out? Did this happen before that? Who was there at this point or whatever? So I, I've done it. Obviously that research is really much easier than it's ever been because you can just dig up even set lists and uh, from obscure gigs and stuff like that, you know? So that's been a fun process and I'm just uh, getting to, I'm just digging through my old photo boxes to find some oh. photos, which is interesting too. Some That's interesting amazing. <laughs> anything, I'm sure there's a lot, but anything specific that you've discovered digging through things that just sparked a memory that just it all came rushing back at that Well, moment. I mean, you know, some backstage photographs from the 80s, you know, oh. with Iggy. And, uh, and, you know, suddenly you realise there was Rick James and there was Elmore Leonard and there was like some really strange people pop, pop, popped up just because they do. And uh, that was interesting. Even, even this five-year period recently uh, playing with him, you'd turn around and there'd be, you know, Henry Rollins or the guitarist, <laughs> um, the guitarist from At The Drive-In or, or, you know... Um, you know, some Hollywood actor, you know, Johnny Depp was just standing there, you know, with two you at the side of the stage, just look, like, oh my God, it's them, you know. But that was, so that was really exciting because he, he attracts all kinds of people. And David sure. did too, obviously, just uh, uh, all kinds of exciting people, you know, going going out for dinners in New York with Sean Penn and Gary Oldman and David and, uh, you know, really interesting stuff. And um, a, lot of, a lot of quite naughty stories as well. In fact, I won't really go into here. You'll just have to get the book. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Jeez. Um, I know. Just but we will. This is our, yeah. fa our favorite stuff to read. Well, the so book, we'll actually, Heidi, the book, the book is called Absolute Beginner. Oh, perfect. There you go. See, there you go. It will but be on my nightstand of, the day it yeah, comes out. It sort of out. encapsulates my approach as well because I just don't think you can ever really get to a point where you think you've learned everything, anything. <laughs> you know, and what's that? 
yeah what's that relationship with with people like david and iggy where you know it's we always talk about the fact that some of these people kind of coming down off the mountaintop and the idea of like that they are these larger than life characters but you're working with them in a much more personal one-on-one relationship this is not these guys on stamps this is well that's it that is the big eye-opener because sometimes they are um they display characteristics which you might pick up as a fan and you might have expected to see at Mm. some points particularly in performance and all that but off stage they're just people they're just like you and me and and uh quite often uh that's the most revealing thing is to see how they how personable they are and how vulnerable they are sometimes and 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 all that i mean with bowie you don't really see the process of olympian kind of genius appearing in front of you it's all made out of fragments and all made out of you know a, a very quick and easy and humorous and light-hearted uh, working process and quite often that's the way with iggy too you know there's this kind of rolling spontaneity to the work and then years later you look back and you think god that's an epic piece of work you know but it just seemed, seemed to go like that it just seemed to be so easy to trip off them you know so easily and it was so easy to make and i think that's there's something to be learned from that really that that you know i did, i never saw them sweat or over over much <laughs> it just seems to come out of them yes. <laughs> amazing. amazing oh i know i remember we we spoke with cherry vanilla many like a couple oh, yeah. years back and she was a delight and asking her you know especially at that era when bowie was just sort of birthing right and um just sort of what did you do when you sit around were you talking about getting your your car serviced what were you know talking about the traffic and the weather and she's like no but he was there you know it was still there was still that difference and it is amazing there was a good humor is a lot of the thing with particularly with bowie i mean he was he was funny and when when we worked with the tin machine stuff he used to you know hunt and tony sales his father soupy sales yes comedian yes And he used to, they used to ring up Soupy and stick him through the studio monitors and have him tell really off-color jokes. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Uh, I grew up in, I mean, I'm a Detroit girl, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. so that's, so Iggy and Ann Arbor and all that, you know. Yeah. I mean, that was, yeah. I mean, I married a girl from Ann Arbor when I was 18. It was a folly. It was a complete folly. Well, by, the happens. Got, by the time I got to meet Iggy, I knew quite a bit about his hometown and about the history of it and the white Panthers and, yeah. you know, the MC five and all this stuff. Yeah. So it was quite a nice uh, touchstone meeting him with David uh, in Montreux. And then, you know, instead of me, I, I don't know whether I expect him to bite the head off a live chicken or something, but we just <laughs> went out on a boat on Mont on the Lake Geneva and oh. sailed around Chateau Chillon where Byron was, hung out and yes. you know, he was telling talking about Byron and we were having a beer in a boat you know that's great that oh. actually sounds like the most perfect day ever uh it's pretty it's, it was pretty good yeah so I think that- and, uh, so I've known Jim for a very long time now I mean it was 86 and and then we stopped finally stopped working together in 2019 I mean even that we should we should have been there again now but what with world events being what they are you know the COVID yeah. break and then 
Brexit, you know, meaning that British musicians cost more to go to Europe now and it's more difficult. And he had a side project with a French band. So he kind of carried on with that band and we just ended up, well, it was a natural time to to quit. But it was a very nice thing to go around with Iggy second time around, you know, from 80, I did like 86 to 88 with him. And then all that time, the intervening time, you sort of think, well, that was great. But I was really young. And if I could do that again now with what I the skills I've picked up, it would be so much better. And then out of the blue, it happened in 2014. That I got to go around and do it again. And that was a, that's a really special thing. It feels I'm very, very grateful for that, that opportunity. You know. And of course, we thought we might see David again. I, mm. You know, he used to turn up at the uh, in the blah, blah, blah days. He'd mm-hmm. turn up backstage and uh, or whatever and have a meal or whatever. And uh, I, I fully expected him to run into him again, but never did. Yeah. So the last time I saw him was the sessions, sessions for the outside album um, uh, in, I think, 94 or something like that. That was the last time I got to see him with, with him, man. But, but it's a shame not to see him, not see him again. I was hoping to, yeah. to see him again. <laughs> One of the cool things about this tour is that you're doing The Idiot, there's a break, and then there's a second set of songs by everybody. Is there anything from all the other folks that you're really looking forward to playing with them? Yeah, I mean, this is this is not it's not the idiots last for life. I'm going to correct. I'm you sorry. There. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Luke's the um, idiot. I'm the idiot. Sorry. Last for life. We are doing a couple of tunes from the idiot. I think night clubbing, Sister Midnight, and uh, um, maybe oh yeah, that's th- those. And then we're doing a you know some of Glenn's a couple of Glenn's tunes, some Blondie stuff. Uh, so I just think it's going to be a fun thing to do. I mean, it's, it's partly a tribute thing, but um, it's it's good to explore all those things too. I mean, you know, I, I don't have a. I, I think I just think it'll be happy for an audience. They're 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 up for hearing that stuff, uh, and I, I I like that too. I mean, we're a dying breed, us old rock musicians now. I mean, I was reading today, you know, something like David Guetta saying AI is good, the future of music and all oh. that. Well, that's that's great, but um, <laughs> that's great. But I'm quite happy that a lot of people really still enjoy the era when music was really earthy and real, and that we can still do that. Very happy to do it. Yeah. Well, it is. It is such the era, like you said, it is so earthy, but it is such the era that it just carries on, and it is one of those times I think in music that is. I can't say universally, but it is just musicians love it and music fans love it. Well, at, at the time we were growing up with it, when I, when I grew up, you know, in the first, my first experience of listening to music was people like Bowie and Iggy. And to, the first heroes that I had were those yeah. people. And then, you know, I'm 65 years old. So it's like my high, whole life has been the trajectory of rock and roll alongside it you know it's it's birth and 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 so all that stuff was being invented at that time so it still feels exciting to me because those formative years when you when you first get influenced or listen to music stay with you very closely for the rest of your time and have something to to inform the way you think about it um and that's that's what i like sharing with crowds i mean in 2020 just before the covid thing i was touring with a band of all bowie alumni with mike Garson in America and that was such a nice thing I mean some people say oh you know you're just rehashing um, you know or, or or exploiting the memory of these people but it isn't like that it really isn't I mean I can't explain it it's more like a kind of mutual celebration where the crowds and the band are are really sharing that love of that uh, 
thing together. And I, I hope this will be like that too. So it's not us saying, oh, look at us, we know this stuff. It's like, let's share the love of this music together. And that's what, that's what we're doing. I think that's, this, that's the special thing about it. Well, it's also just keeping these songs alive in a yeah. live setting where there's yeah. nothing that's going to best that. Like the record's great, but yeah, hearing a bunch yeah. of people bash that out is something wholly other. It's yeah. amazing. I mean, you know, the challenge of, of when we started to play with Iggy again was, you know, I, I had a, a particularly a young drummer and bass player who were fans, but they'd never been, uh, uh, they'd never played with him before or that kind of thing. But we, I, we sat down and kind of forensically examined the, you know, the, the early records and said, what was great about these? You know, what of, what of the recent Iggy bands missed about this stuff right going back right to the beginning and we don't have to slavishly copy it but we have to identify those things that make it really funky and make it really work and make it really magic and you know slow the tempos down put the hand claps back in you know and 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 really hear all that stuff and it was a great learning curve to do that i don't think we did it so much first time round. and iggy's very easy going he, he just like People bring what they bring, you know. You very often he, he'll very rarely say, "I don't like that," or "Please do something different." So, but that was a really nice responsibility to put his music together uh, and, and really preserve some of those magic things about that early uh, those early records. It's quite difficult to do. I mean, you have to really know yeah. what you're doing to do it and really love it. But uh, it was it was a great privilege in my life. I'll, I'll always remember it with with amazing fondness. You know, so yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's, uh, I don't know. I, I can't, I just could only dream to be in a situation like that and to have done what you've done. I mean, you're talking about all these legends, but you're a legend in of yourself. Maybe your name isn't quite as recognized, but you're part of so many of these things. Well, it's been, it's been my joy to, to do that. I mean, I, I've, I've never really had the, uh, uh, the guts to forego a normal life in the way that those people have. And you have to give up a lot to be Iggy Pop or David Bowie. You have to give up practical, practically all vestiges of normal life, which any yeah. of us want, you know, family, a home, anything like this. And, you know, they may find it later in life, but they, they really had to forego it all. And I don't think I could do that. So it's been a great thing to just be along for the ride sometimes and just be next to them and, and uh, uh, you know, just have the thrill. You play the passenger, the, play the chords to the yeah. passenger on your own, on a guitar in front of thousands of, you know, and just watch them go go apeshit it's like it's such a nice it's such a nice thing to do um yeah. so i've been very lucky like that uh and we'll always we'll always be grateful for it you know i mean if i can bring something that's great too i have been doing some some solo music uh, in the last couple of years i've got an album out and uh iggy kindly played something on the radio on his bbc6 show for me um and I'm still doing that, but I don't have any pretensions to be a, a, a you know solo artist or anything like that, or, or you know in the way that they are. I think they're really okay. they really are special people, and all performers are. Even modern performers, you know, who like Rihanna floating above the crowd at the Super Bowl, <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah. That takes some real guts. It really does. You know, amazing. It's an amazing thing to do. Wish yeah. I could do it. <laughs> yeah. I've been lucky in having the guitar to hide behind. <laughs> yeah, it's like a sort of it's just something I can bring. I can always. Uh, turn it out and when people want it so it's uh so i can just enjoy like a spectator in a way i can just do my thing and they're not here to look at me they're here to look at them and i'm doing the same from the back <laughs> i'm watching yeah. and enjoying and you can walk out the stage door no problem i'm assuming i can walk out the stage door no problem yeah david yeah. bowie couldn't walk out the stage door no <laughs> problem he had to have a 
flipping bodyguard with him or whatever, you know. And I've seen a few, obviously, you know, that's the vulnerable, that's what you give up, isn't it? You give up your right to a normal life. And uh, I'm quite lucky in, in having, a, having a normal life most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. We really yeah. the best of all worlds. It's just uh, yeah. abnormal enough to, like you said, to feel the the thrill and feel the passion of the audience and all of that, but then still be able. I always thought it would be wonderful to be famous everywhere except in your own town. So you could live your life, <laughs> but then yeah. when you felt the need for adoration, you could just go to wherever your fans were and then come back. And so you're sort I of think, in a very different way. I think Bowie kind of found that in, in Switzerland a little bit, in, mm. in Lausanne and, and yeah. uh and Montreux, he was able to, you know, he was able to be a bit more low profile. But even then, we still had an ex-Navy SEAL lurking somewhere. Oh, sure. <laughs> just in case. Just yeah. in case. <laughs> yeah, just in case. Jer- Jerry Mel, God bless him. He was, uh, he was a, a lovely guy. And he was, he could kill you with his fingernail. And, uh, but he, but he was so gentle and kind. Um, you know, those guys are really. But Iggy never needed anyone like that. He, he has a sort of, um, a way of dealing with it. I've seen I've seen fans come up to him like flailing and mad, you know, Iggy, I love you, and then you know, or hi or whatever. And he just has this kind of weird, uh, he sort of touches them on the shoulder, and there's like a Vulcan death grip. They kind of go limp. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he has a way of doing, but he's you know, he's he's uh you know, you know, they they really differ, don't they? Because David was the yeah. performer and had to have the slight bubble around him. Iggy has been hurling himself into audiences yes. for decades. And he was still losing teeth in 2017, 2018, you know, on barriers and, and things in, in, in his early 70s, flinging himself into crowds, you know, half naked. And you've got to admire that. you just got to think yes. that's the guy, man made of steel. Is the whole band just standing there watching, climbing over these things, just <laughs> shaking your head or wincing? Yes, I mean, going yeah, down? I mean, the, the two tours are different. Sometimes he had a band that was, you know, surrounding him. He was in the middle of the band. But on the last run we runs we did, we were kind of back, you know, we were back along along a line uh, in front, you know, uh, parallel with the bass drum, and we'd leave the entire front apron of the stage to him only. So he was out in front of the band. We really were like a backing band, so he could perform. And it's also because his eyesight isn't great anymore. <laughs> so he's like, you know, he he had to have all that space. Even sometimes in big festival stages, there'd be a great big white lump of tape along the front of the stage and the word no is <laughs> <laughs> like commands like no you yeah. will not it do still, it it still wouldn't stop him going down and, and to the barriers and flinging himself you know and he has to have a bunch of the uh, the redoubtable captain eric fisher you know right at his uh, right at, at his side ready to pull him back when he when people because so, you know, people go crazy tug at him and everything oh, amazing information on the lust for life tour which is happening right now this very minute in the uk you want to get tickets as soon as possible a lot of these dates are already sold out the band features folks like kevin armstrong clem burke glenn matlock uh, we wish we were there for more information and get the dates check out their website lustforlifetour.com rock and roll grad school is produced by the professional production company please be sure to rate and review us on apple podcasts because your impassioned review is just as honest as us standing backstage waiting to come back on for the encore. 
For more information, you can check out our website, rockandrollgradschool.com. And like everyone else, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was recorded and produced by Heidi Hagquist and myself from our world headquarters located on the second floor of the professional office building, centrally located downtown. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sauvay and Sandy Stone. Our willing executive producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our intern is Zach Jackson. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Good night. Drive safe. May all your favorite bands stay together. Passenger We'll ride through the city